Okay, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you take them out and uh, we will turn to the uh, book that we've been looking at for the last, uh, since we uh, started this church two years and some change. <laughs> and uh, it's a short book in comparison to others for, um, for uh, not chapters, for, for, there's four chapters, yes. Chapters, yes. Four ch- chapters, and we are currently on chapter three. And uh, our verse for today is uh, verse 15, which we started, and we have spent uh, a considerable amount of time looking at this topic um, that is that has to do with maturity. Because, you know, we go to church, perhaps. We, uh, we, get, we hear a preach or we get, uh, uh, not spoken at, but we get taught. We get, you know, the, the word is preached. And often as Christians, church is not the, the, the crux of your, of your week. It's just a part of the week. We still have to go into the week, Monday through to, uh, to Saturday. And that's when it counts. Because yeah, yeah, it's cool. You can behave all nice. You can smile at me. You can look all pretty and all the rest. Um, but it... It matters even more when you're out of the church. And so Paul would write to his friends in Philippi and he would encourage them to mature. And we would be trying to understand what does that mean? How does it look like for you and our maturity? Um, So we'll we'll finish off this uh, particular verse this morning. And um, as we do that, we will look at the reason why Paul wanted his friends in Philippi to become mature. Now, of course, maturity is, uh, is a two-way thing. God helps us to mature as we engage with Him. As I said last week, uh, we learned that um, it is, um, maturity comes from the uh, growth in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, learning His Word spending time in His Word, trying to dissect, trying to understand, trying to meditate and trying to ask Him, God, what do you mean by the? What does, what does it mean? Some of, some of those things are, or some things are plain um, and clear to see, but many things in the Bible are not very plain and uh, simple for us to understand. So we, we mature as we grow in grace. Therefore, it's Him. As we partake, He uh, comes by His grace and He opens up Scripture to us. And I mean, I don't know, uh, uh, I'm sure you can testify of the amounts of, that you have read Scripture. You've read Scripture and uh, maybe over and over again, but the same Scripture that you've read today comes in a different way. Like uh, your mind has just opened up differently. You don't quite understand. You've seen the Scripture uh, for many years in this way. But then suddenly something happens and it's opened up. The Holy Spirit opens up your eyes. And so as you grow in grace, in, um, uh, in His knowledge, through His Word, that's part of maturity. That's how it, 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 um, it happens for us. Then I said the second thing is, so we grow in grace and then we need to apply the truth of His Word. It's not just a case of we read and we become academic in our scripture reading, uh, we have to actually apply what we've read into our daily lives. So 
Sunday going forward, Monday, Tuesday through to uh, Saturday, we have to apply the truth of God's word as we read it and as we learn and as he allows us to see it. And then from there, so it's, it's um, grace and knowledge, application thereof, but to apply that, we often need the faith of God in our lives, to apply those, those truths in our, word, in our lives. I made this uh, uh, statement, faith is the central issue in the application. So we can learn, we can, uh, we can uh, become academic in our reading, but if faith is not the central part of your, your daily walk with Christ, it just becomes information. And who knows that in this day and age we are inundated with information from all sides. Everywhere we look, there's just info, 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 info. We are, we are, it's too much. It's too much. It really is too much. And the Word of God can also become too much if you're reading it from an academic point of view. It's just another book that you're reading. It's just another, uh, some good statements, some good things that we can learn from. But it just becomes an extra thing. And that's why we need the grace of God to highlight and to equip us. And then by our exercises, putting faith in, in, that, in what we've learned. And then I made this comment. We possibly do not apply um, the truth of God into our daily lives because we possibly don't believe God's word contains the answers to all that we need. It does. The Word of God contains all the answers we need. However, we have to dig into His Word. We have to go and find, we've got to mine it. We've got to, we've got to ask Him. You know, um, it's that uh, scripture in Acts 17:26, uh, where it says, God has determined the places that we are to be born, we are to live. He's determined that the boundary places, is, he has set those boundary places. It's him. So, um, and then it says towards the end of that um, verse, he has done that so that we can seek him. Though he is not far, Jesus is with us through his spirit. But his word says we are to, we are to seek him. What does that mean? In essence, it means we have to spend time with him. We have to dissect. We have to study His Word. We have to, we have to meditate. We have to be found in prayer. And it's okay to ask questions to God. Ask Him questions where you don't understand. And let the Holy Spirit show you what the truth is. So verse 15 says this. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if... Um, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So we've been covering quite a bit of uh, ground when it comes to maturity. Now Paul turns um, to the reason as to why he wanted the Philippians to become mature. And the truth is, only mature Christians can carry mature attitudes. If you're not mature, you, uh, you cannot carry a mature attitude. You've got to be mature to carry a mature attitude. Now, what had happened is the Philippians um, were hurting each other. 
Philippians, he's speaking to people that are saved, people who are living out the Christian life in Philippi. But within, you know, uh, we, we are, we are, we are, we've got different temperaments, don't we? We are all different. Um, we are all different. And because of our differences, we can rub each other in the wrong way. We can. Now, so us as Christians, we're not exempt from those things. You know, we see that in the world where people are just um, um, arguing and fighting with each other because of difference of opinion. That happens within the church. And that was what was happening in uh, Philippi. And so Paul would uh, try and encourage his um, friends to be mature, to walk in a way that those things that are supposed to actually sharpen you, you know, iron sharpening iron, those things shouldn't trip you up and cause you to uh, backtrack, as it were. Those things should actually encourage you. But it takes mature uh, attitude to grab my, my, um, uh, my word of, not a harsh word, what, my word of encouragement that is directed in maybe not doing things the way you ought to according to the Bible and I speak to you. It takes maturity for you to take it uh, as an encouragement. And the same for, um, for me. So you see that I'm not living my life as the word of God says I should. Um, and when you come and address it, it takes maturity. If I'm mature, I'm to take that and um, you know, work through it. Rather than me getting all upset and angry with you and wanting nothing to do with you because you pointed the truth out to me. Uh, now, I mean, uh, humans are just so fickle, aren't we? We are just so, I mean, you speak the truth to me once and I'm, I get frustrated and I don't ever see you, don't ever hear, you know, we get, we get and then we move on to the next place because, ah, no, this is not working for us. I'm going to move on where no one um, will, uh, will, will speak truth to me. And I remember once someone said to me that, when you leave a place out of disgruntlement because you're angry or you, and you don't want to fix whatever the problem is because you think you're perfect and you're looking for a perfect, uh, we are we're in a church environment, looking for another church that is perfect. The moment that you step into that church, if it was perfect, it became imperfect because you've stepped into it. Because we are imperfect beings, we're not perfect. So we've got to change, but that takes mature attitudes to understand that. Um, they were hurting each other. It seemed as though the, the bitter battle went on so long that they, they as a congregation, developed a um, negative attitude toward each other. Toward each other. I mean, we call to be together, yet we have negative attitudes toward each other. I, I don't like it because you look at me funny or you say that about me or whatever, whatever, whatever the case might be. Um... This and it just festers, it just continues, and we don't address it, it becomes um, an issue. And this is what Paul was trying to encourage his friends to, to mature in, in, in uh, to become mature in their dealings with each other. Because as you become mature, but you can't become, you cannot become mature by, by just reading books and, and uh, this is how you do it, this is a step. No, no, we need to trust the Holy Spirit, God in us. To help us to become mature. We need to open our lives up to Him. Because when sin reaches the attitude stage, it is much more difficult to correct. 
it's much more difficult to correct the sin stage when it reaches into your, it becomes your attitude. Uh, it is very, very difficult to correct that. See, it takes maturity in God's word to change an attitude. There's that word again, attitude. I mean, I've spoken several times, I've mentioned this word as we've been going through this book. Attitude, attitude, attitude. You can get two people who are thrown in the same boat, same circumstances, but they have two different outlooks, two different attitudes as to how they'll handle this, uh, this, this situation. And because of the attitude, one will go to the left and the other one will go to the right. Because of their attitude. You see, a momentum of the application of truth, the Word of God, to our experiences will correct deeply rooted negative attitudes. So Paul is trying to encourage them. So he said, mature, you guys call yourself mature. Um, uh, he says, I'm singling you out. You uh, assume you're mature. I'm calling you out, okay? If you're mature, then you need to live in a mature way. You need, um, need not be one who is easily um, upset. You know, you, you, uh, one who's easily, uh, who's quick to forgive. One who's quick to, um, to love. These are maturity um, processes. These are things that we can see. And I said that I can see if you mature by the way you live your life and how the outworking of your life. And you can see if I'm mature by the outworking of my life, how I live my life, how I react to situations, you can quickly determine and see whether I am mature or not. See, the word mind here in this um, verse, he says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Now this uh, word mind... Um, is translated to attitude, to the word attitude. So he was saying, let us have a, uh, let us have this kind of attitude. So the word mind here is translated to attitude. Um, this phrase is an invitation to the mature Christian to realign their thinking orientation. So Paul is encouraging his friends in Philippi to realign their thinking, their understanding, the way they are, the outlook of life to the word of God, to the principles of God. But again, you cannot realign your outlook and your way of life if you do not know the word of God. You need to spend time with, uh, in the word of God so you can understand and know the word of God. Now, one way that we can um, measure um, if we have reached maturity or if we are reaching maturity um, is whether we change our attitudes and actions. So when I address you or when you address me, you can measure yourself and say, does my attitude change? Does my action change? Or am I same old, same old, same old, same old? Does my attitude change and does my action change? 
that is one way we can measure for ourselves to see whether we are becoming mature. I see Paul here challenged the Philippians' attitudes. And I wonder if God, through His Spirit and through His Word, is not challenging us. Attitude, attitude, attitude. Who here suffers from this attitude that I'm always right? Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> yes, uh, I confess. I do, I do, I do uh, battle with that. Um, um, because I tend to think I am right. And I will, I will argue the fact as to why I think I'm right. And you might come with your argument. I'll, con- I'll counter that argument. But that's human nature. Now, maturity says that actually I'm, I am, if you're maturing, you have to take in those, those things that, you, that uh, our friends are speaking to you about and, and, and see. Does your attitude change? Of course, if you come to me and tell me stuff that is uh, different to the Bible, uh, opposite to the Bible, I will then obviously stand up and say, no, 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 that is wrong. And at that point, I will argue confidently that I am right based on the word of God. Um, help me, Father, as you help my friends this morning. Now, if we keep tabs of our lives, of the, of the making of our lives, we can me- measure our growth. If we keep tabs, keep, you know, we keep notes of how our lives are going, um, we, can, we can measure, we can see. Okay, how much that thing happened to me, that situation happened to me two weeks ago and this is how I reacted. It's happened to me again two weeks later and this is how I'm reacting. You can, you can see whether you are maturing, you can, you, you, uh, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's good for us to um, check and see where we stand. I mean, for example, the attitude of joy, right? No, joy is an attitude, eh? Joy is an attitude. You know, that can characterize the Christian's life. I mean, we spent a part of uh, uh, last year we looking at the, the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit not the spirits, Spirit. Um, and uh, we looked at this uh, attitude about joy. And we learned that joy is not happiness. Joy is not happiness. Happiness depends upon circumstances. Joy is an inner animation of the soul regardless of the circumstance. Why do I say that? Because joy is independent um, of circumstances. And an, an immature Christian, listen to this, an immature Christian is a slave to his or her circumstances. I wonder if that's you or me. Am I a slave to my circumstances? So, uh, an immature Christian, here's another way to measure your, your life, whether you are maturing. An immature Christian is a slave to his or her circumstances. If circumstances are favorable, that Christian is happy. If not, they go down with the circumstance. Their lives rise and fall 
like a roller coaster. There is no attitude of joy. No attitude of joy. Because the, the circumstance is difficult, it's trying. But if joy, which is, uh, is birthed from, from the, uh, the, your soul, from the, it's from in you, the Holy Spirit in you, it does not matter what's going on, how difficult the physically outworking of life is, there's an inner joy um, that you exude as you, leave, as, as you live your life. That's part of maturity. So your stable attitude comes from the uh, application of truth to experience. This, if you apply uh, application to, of truth to experience, this allows us to break loose from circumstances. And this is where then I can say that a mature attitude means that a mature believer moves above the circumstance. Are you living beyond or above the circumstances that you're in? Are you still joyful? Are you still, do, you still, um, yeah, do you still enjoy life? Not based on the circumstances that you're going through, but based on the fact that there's an inner joy. There's a, that peace that God speaks about in Philippians 4, which we'll get to eventually, where it says that um, the peace that surpasses all understanding as it was in Jesus Christ. That peace you cannot buy, that peace you cannot earn, it is given to you by God through His Spirit as you engage, as you grow in um, His grace and His knowledge through His Word. And that then does not affect the circumstances. It affects your soul, it affects how you, the outlook, it affects your attitude. Things are hard, but you're joyful. Why? Because you've got uh, this jo- joyous attitude in your, in your life. And so this is what Paul was trying to um, appeal and encourage his friends. I, f- I said earlier, up until verse 15, Paul had, had been speaking to his friends from a place of um, motivation, a place of encouragement. You know, he would say to them, come on, we can do this. We're in a race. Do not give up. There is a finish line. There is a, a prize to be won, to be had at the end of, the, of this race. That's motivational speaking. That's encouragement. You know, he gets to this uh, verse and it almost changes. He says, okay, I'm done motivating you. I'm done encouraging you. Now I'm going to speak to your free will. I'm going to speak to your free will. If you call yourself mature, well, live as though you're mature. Okay, but then how does it look like? How does it work out? How do do I measure the fact that I am mature? So I've motivated you. We are running. We're going to get to the finish line. Now you decide through your free will if you're going to continue this race. If you're going to continue and look at that prize and motivate yourself to get to that prize. So it says, therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, this attitude. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So he's appealed to them, his friends in Philippi, to structure their attitudes 
around God's word. And I would, I would say that would be the, true, uh, the truth for us today. I, I'm appealing to you. I'm appealing to myself to structure my attitude, our attitudes around God's word. Which is a hard one. It's a hard one uh, when, when we are in those circumstances. You know, we don't, we don't control what happens. But remember that, uh, that song that we sang this morning? Our destiny is in Jesus' hands. You know what I love about this life, of uh, uh, this Christian life that we have been blessed with? Is this truth. And I, love, uh, the, I, I try to live by this um, statement I'm about to make. And I, it's not my own statement. It's from one of my, uh, um, a guy that I look up to. And this is what he says. He says, our future is in God's past. Can I say that again? Our future is in God's past. In other words, God has been there already. He has been to the end of, that, of, the, of the race. We walk in. We walk, walk in towards the future, but He has been there. He's, and that's why He would say, He has gone ahead and prepared good works for you and I. That's why He would say that I have allotted um, boundary lines for you. I have placed things around you. Uh, that's why He would say, because He has been there. And we just need to walk with that as a confidence in our lives. As we walk in, as we try to do as best we can to follow him, he has been there already. If he says, I need to get to the chair at the back, and there's obstacles all, all around um, the, the road, I am to trust him that despite the obstacles, d- despite the circumstances, if he says I must get there, I will get there. Why? Because he's already been there. And he has ordered my way, his word would say. He has ordered my path. Isn't that reassuring? Certainly is for me. It is reassuring that I'm not just, you know, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I do not know what's going to happen actually tomorrow. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because God uh, holds me. My destiny is in his hands. And if he has called me to do something, I'm going to uh, go towards that thing that he's called me to do. And guess what? He helps me to get to that place. He helps me to get to that place in his grace. Now, in and around us uh, in the um, Philippian church, there were those who were um, what they would call them opposite thinkers. People who are opposed to every opinion that you, you come up with. Ever, ever come across those people? They're forever opposed to whatever you come up with. This is what was going on in, in Philippi. There were those who were opposed to everything that Paul uh, was trying to um, uh, tell them. Or his friends uh, speaking about. They were always opposed. And Paul would say, if, um, if we let them, these opposite thinkers... They will hold us back from what God wants us to do. From what God wants, where God wants us to go. If we hold them, if we let them, they will slow us down. And I'm afraid to say it could be our husbands 
all our wives. <laughs> it could be family. It could be your in-laws. It could be your uh, brothers or your sisters. They just, you know, God has revealed stuff to you in His Word. He has given you promises and you're going for those promises. But because they are opposed to those things, God hasn't maybe eliminated that promise that He's given you. They hold you back. They'll come with the opposite thinking and try and um, convince you differently. This is why our plumb line is the word of God. This is our final authority. If someone in the Christian uh, community, friend, family, uh, whoever comes and is, is an opposite thinker or trying to convince you differently, is it based on the word of God? If it is, pay attention. If it's not, don't pay attention. If it's not, just, you know, dust your feet off and carry on. Because you're in a race. You are in a race. Now, unfortunately, some of these uh, uh, backwards thinking people or opposite thinkers, uh, or however you want to term them, and I, I probably could be one of those at times in my thinking if I'm not... Uh, uh, aligned to God's word. So therefore, I'm not saying I'm perfect and, uh, you know, you must always listen to me or uh, vice versa. No, no, we, we can err to, uh, on the wrong side of, of things. If we become too, we think of ourselves too much, too much. Remember, I made that, uh, I asked the question, who of us has the, that uh, problem with Mr. Uh, right? Yeah. Even within the Word of God, you can think you're right, but uh, you're wrong. Unless it's in the Word of God. Now those people seemingly uh, born inside out. Unfortunately, they are on the negative side of every positive question. And on the positive side of every negative question. Do you know those people? I don't know. They're not here. They're not, they're not in front of me. But it's a point. It's a point Paul would make. These are congregation. These are people who are supposed to be uh, uh, rubbing shoulders with each other. And that rubbing should actually encourage one another, each other to spur on, to move forward, to, to continue in this race. Because there is a prize to be won at the end of this race. There's a prize to be had. God has rewards for us. That he has actually allocated. He has, he has predetermined for us. But we need, to, we need to walk this journey. And in our lives, there, there comes a point where we have to let go of those people in our lives. If you've tried your very best to correct that relationship, that is all you can do. And they're not willing to change. In fact, they are pulling you down rather than uh, encouraging you to go up. There comes a time when you have to make a mature decision to let them go. To let them go. Of course, you can't uh, let go of your husband or your wife. Um, you, you can't do that. That would be against the word of God. If someone comes to me and says, no, no, that wife of mine is causing me to go down. I need to let them go. 
the word of God is against that. You can't, you can't do that. In fact, we're supposed to encourage one another. Let's, let's chat. Let's, let's see how we can spur one another on. What is going on? But we're supposed to be encouraging to one another, towards one another. Why? Because this road is challenging. This road is challenging. This life is challenging. But in those challenges, the only way God gets the glory is if He does, um, if we acknowledge His work in us as we walk through this life. If you can do it, then you get the glory. But if you can't do it, then God does it, then He gets the glory. And remember I said last week, God loves His glory. He will share His glory with no man, His word says. Therefore, don't try to take His glory. Rather, give, him, give, give it to Him. Make a choice and give it to Him. Because there's only one way to go in this Christian life. And that one way is forward. It's forward. It's not looking back. It's not no going sideways. There's only one way to go in this Christian life. And that way is forward. And that forward is the upward call, Paul would say. Um, the upward call that he has for us as we head towards home. Home being heaven for us. So in conclusion, are we together? Are we, are we happy? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, shouting. See, in conclusion, there are two types of thinking in life. One is negative and the other is opposite, is, uh, is positive. One is negative and the other is uh, positive. The Word of God can reorientate uh, our thinking. It can change our thinking toward a positive bearing towards people. Even if they do not change. If you don't, do not change, the Word of God can help me still um, love you or, wa- or uh, walk alongside you as it were and have a positive attitude toward you. Only the Word of God. And you see, God's revelation is the Word. Nothing added to it, nothing taken away from it. And you see, eventually in the church, Paul would say, Paul gives these people who are opposite thinkers to God. He, he's walked, he's tried, he's tried to convince, he's tried he's had arguments, he, he's tried to do what he can based on the word of God. But there's nothing more. These guys are still stuck in their way. What does he do? He says, I'm going to give, um, God will deal with your hearts. God will deal with your with your minds. God will deal with your attitudes. It's not his responsibility. It's not our responsibility to change each other. In, in, our, in our marriage, um, I'm allowed to share our marriage. Up. She, my wife has big eyes as a result of um, uh, I, I, I can't remember whether it was said to us or read somewhere where, uh, you know, we don't enter marriage with the idea to change the other person. If you enter marriage with the idea to change that person, you are already going backwards. You're, you're in for a uh, disaster. 
You do not enter marriage. I, do not, I did not marry my wife to try and change her. Though I try all the time. I'm sorry. But um, it's not that we don't enter marriage to try and change uh, our spouses. We enter marriage because a God-ordained institution which he loves and blesses. And she is different to me and I will gain from her and hopefully she will gain from me. And together we complement each other uh, toward the things that God has called us to achieve or get to together. It's the same with the church um, context. We're not here to change each other, but we're here to complement each other. I will gain stuff from you, and you will gain stuff from me. And the only way we can do that is having a biblical attitude or a biblical habit of thinking as God thinks. Thinking as God thinks will displace negative attitudes. It will make us independent of the circumstances. So I will leave us with three questions, if I may. The first is this. Understanding this is attitude and uh, artworking. We are mature. We call ourselves mature. We want to we wanna be labeled as mature. Paul s- says, well, okay, live like you are mature Christians. And so I leave us with these three questions. Are, you, are your attitudes formed from Scripture rather than experience? Does your attitude, is it shaped from the experiences you're going through? Or is it shaped and formed by the scriptures, the word of God? Number one. Number two, when others try to deter you from your goal, do you get up off the track, brush them off, and move on? Or do you lie there angry because some of these people have caused you to stumble? What is your attitude in that regard? Even with your uh, Christian family or maybe even blood family. What is your attitude? So when they cause you to um, the kind of deter you from your goal? How do you react? What is your attitude? Is your attitude shaped from the, uh, because of the word of God? Is it shaped by the circumstance? They've caused me to stumble. And so my attitude is, um, is um, different. Do you lie there angry because they have caused you to stumble? And then the last question for today. I've already said it actually. Do you lie there angry? And do you then remain there angry because of what people have done to you? Can we close our eyes? Father, thank you for your most holy word, which is profound yet simple. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help me 
And my friends, this morning, when it comes to this idea about attitude, God, may we have the right attitude, an attitude, God, that brings glory to your most holy name. In every situation, in every circumstance, God, even when we want, um, all we want to do is get back at things, at people, God, may we... Will you help us by your, uh, your spirit to outwork things out in a way that brings glory to you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And I thank you, Lord, for your word. I bless you, Father. Help us to live this life in a way that, you, that brings glory to you, Lord, that in a way that is just delightful to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.